The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. Brian is off today. Joe Beamer helping me out this morning. It was an active night with thunderstorms possibly waking you up. Maybe a couple of times it did for me. Uh, it looks like today, mostly cloudy skies. There's a chance of showers. We'll check out the forecast. The Just Call Jed WBEN first alert forecast with Aaron in just a few minutes. Here's what's happening. A domestic incident involving Erie County Executive Mark Polencars. A police report was filed, but no charges. WBEN's Tom Puckett spoke with the county executive. Buffalo police say a report was filed on an alleged domestic dispute involving Erie County Executive Mark Polencars on Monday. The police report says a woman claimed Polencars became irate and grabbed her, restraining her body against the window of her home after he realized she was looking at text messages on his phone. She escaped and screamed for help on Saturday evening. Polencars responds. I never pushed her up against the window. I never restrained her. It's a private matter that's become public because of who I am. I understand that. Polencars says he was never contacted by police about the matter. He says the two walked to a park, talked, then returned to the woman's home. It was an emotional breakup and I left. She asked me to leave and I left. That's not in the police report and I think it's important people understand that. I'm not that person that she's alleging. The woman asked not to file charges in the matter. His opponent in November, Chrissy Casilio, issued a statement saying the alleged domestic abuse involving Poland cars is very troubling. She calls the allegation serious and wants an immediate investigation by the district attorney or an independent prosecutor outside of Erie County. You can hear the full interview with Poland Cars and read the full Casilio statement online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Buffalo attorney John Elmore told Tom Bowerly yesterday afternoon. If there was any evidence of physical injury of this individual that called the police against Mark, that the officers would want to cover their asses and, 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 and make an arrest because the supervisors are going to review the body cams. And, and if they didn't make an arrest, and like, like if she had a black eye or bruises or if she said, you know, he used a weapon, a baseball bat, and he was threatening with me or something like that, oh, that's going to be on the body cams. It's Elmore's opinion that this case was covered by the book. The DA's office, by the way, says absent of a complaint, they will not investigate. You can hear the entire Poland Cars interview at WBEN.com this morning, and we'll hear more from the county executive coming up. In other news, last night, with a scowl on his face, former President Donald Trump was booked in Atlanta on charges that he conspired to apply undue pressure on Georgia election officials in an effort to remain in office. A short while later, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office released the first-ever mugshot of a U.S. president. His mugshot has the former president glaring at the camera, his head tilted slightly forward, his brow furrowed, a scowl is on his face. After he was booked and before he flew back to New Jersey, Donald Trump told reporters. We did nothing wrong at all, and we have every right, every single right, to challenge an election that we think is dishonest. By the order of a judge and the request of one of the 19 co-defendants, the first trial in the Georgia racketeering case is said to begin in just under two months. Stephen Portnoy, ABC News, Washington. Trump and 18 others charged with felony racketeering accused of taking part in a criminal conspiracy. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is requesting the trial for all of them to begin October 23rd. 
Her request coming after one of the co-defendants, Kenneth Chesborough, was granted a speedy trial. But Trump's team has indicated they'll ask for a separate trial at a later date. That's Justin Finch in Atlanta. Well, more than a day after the first Republican presidential primary debate, the poll numbers are in one big finding in a new 538 Washington Post Ipsos survey is that former President Trump, who skipped the debate, has lost a bit of support, and it shows big surprises for some of his rivals, including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. A new survey finds Republican primary voters thought it was DeSantis who had the best debate performance Wednesday night. But the survey of Republican voters also found Nikki Haley gained the most potential supporters, going from 30 percent, saying they might support her to 47%. Another debate standout, Vivek Ramaswamy, whose campaign says has already raised $450,000 off his performance. That's Morgan Norwood. Back at home, after 16 years of fighting against the toxins spewing from the Tonawanda Coke plant, activists are taking a victory lap. Not only is the plant shut down, but the site has a much healthier future. WBEN's Max Ferry checked out the site for himself. For decades, the Tonawanda Coke plant on River Road has emitted toxic and poisonous gas and chemicals, infiltrating the air of the Tonawandas and Grand Island. Today, the work being done to clean up the property following the plant's closure in 2018 is paving the way for potential new development. The first development that will ensue is a community victory garden on one parcel of the former plant site, an aptly named space for Citizen Science Community Resources Organization Director Jackie James who has been fighting the clean air fight against the coke plant since she was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. It's coming full circle, so, you know, we fought. We went out there and we hunted for the smell and found the benzene, and that is what started everything regarding Tonawanda Coke. It's come full circle, so we went from old, decrepit, industrial air to to a new beginning, and that's why we're naming it Nature Takes Back Industry. Before high-tech industrial companies can start their new builds on the land parcels where the main plant once stood, they're going to have to wait for the full remediation, according to John Black, a Riverview Innovation and Technology Campus engineering consultant. Three different companies looking at industrial development, so the, the new zoning, we're compliant with the proposed zoning, so that's general industrial on this side. So that will be an industrial facility, and then this and, side... And that will be high-tech industrial, yeah, just to clarify yeah, not, that. And then here, this side is what's called uh, mixed-use waterfront zoning, and so this will be a combination of commercial and waterfront uses. New builds, not including the garden, may not ensue until 2025 until the full remediation work is complete. Hear more details at WBEN.com. This is Max Ferry for WBEN.com News. All right, Max, thank you. Former Narden Academy President Sandra Betters has filed a lawsuit against the school, according to multiple media outlets. The lawsuit alleges defamation and a breach of Betters' employment contract. Narden Board of Trustees Vice Chair Anita Bard said in a statement this morning, the school is focused on the coming school year and they will defend the school energetically and truthfully. Better stepped down from her position in June after four months of protests from students over an alleged toxic environment at the school. The chair of the Fed makes an important speech today. It's especially important 
to financial markets. It wouldn't be the first time Jerome Powell's used the Federal Reserve's annual economic symposium to make a major announcement. The chair is expected to tell economic leaders from around the world that inflation isn't cooling off fast enough and that more stimulus, in other words, additional interest rate hikes are likely. The markets pay close attention to what Powell says. Last year's message at Jackson Hole, which was also hawkish, sent the S&P tumbling 3.4 percent. Daria Albinger, ABC News. All right. And a major movie is moving dates because of the Hollywood strikes. It's breathtaking. Dune Part 2 might be breathtaking, but we won't know this year. The film from Warner Brothers was supposed to be released November 3rd. But now WB says that because of the actor's strike, Dune Part 2 will be pushed until next year, March 15th. That's probably because if a strike is still going, they won't have their big-name stars like Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Florence Pugh, and more to promote it. But the move also takes it out of Oscars contention for this year. Dune Part 1 earned 10 nominations and won six Academy Awards. Jason Nathanson, ABC News. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Mostly cloudy with a spotty shower and some patchy fog this morning. Some late day clearing. Highs the mid to upper 70s. For tonight, partly to mostly cloudy. Lows in the mid 60s on Saturday. A mix of sun and clouds. A couple of showers, especially inland away from the lake. Highs in the low to mid 70s. Low to mid 70s with sunshine on Sunday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Ken Cruley from politicsandstuff.com is with me this morning. It's been a pretty heavy news week, Ken, in Erie County with the migrant issue and then a police report with Mark Polinkars dropped yesterday. Polinkars is named in the police report, but no charges have been filed. The woman in this incident says he restrained her against a window, grabbed her a second time. He says it was just a bad breakup. And that's all it was. He said he didn't restrain her and that there was nothing physical. What was your reaction to all of this? Well, we have a uh, situation where someone's alleging something and someone is uh, saying that it didn't happen that way. And that's not so unusual in anything that goes on in the world these days. Uh, you mentioned uh, Donald Trump. Uh, he's been charged uh, with 91 criminal offenses, and yet he... Uh, is uh, defending himself and saying it didn't happen. So I guess we uh, will we'll see how things play out. This is coming now less than three months before the election. What effect could this have on the race? Well, you know, a, a race for county executive should be uh, pretty complicated because there's a lot of things going on. The county's a billion-and-a-half-dollar corporation, uh, I think Mark Polenkar has done an excellent job of running that uh, organization. Uh, the, uh, there, uh, the, on the other hand, we have a Republican candidate who has not spoken about issues at all, doesn't seem informed or prepared to discuss anything, and not prepared to assume the office. So uh, in the overall scheme of things, uh, I think I'm prepared to uh, let the public decide all these issues. Uh, it's a, a, a fair thing to do. The election will be held in 75 days, and, and we'll see. Uh, I, I think that the public is uh, uh, going to be smart enough to know that there's a lot of complications in, in uh, uh, everything that's going on, and uh, they're going to weigh everything accordingly. You know, what strikes me, Ken, is that, you know, we've got this huge migrant issue where there's really been a lack of transparency with the public about where migrants are going. And you don't hear from the county executive on that. Then this domestic incident drops and he wants to defend himself 
with every media outlet? Well, uh, because every media outlet is contacting him. And, uh, I, you know, the, the thing with the transparency on the migrant issue is that the, uh, the, the problem comes from uh, DACGO, the organization that's running the, the, uh, the location of asylum seekers uh, from New York City. Uh, DACGO is a, a very questionable organization. They're, clearly, they're not communicating with anybody. Uh, there's been uh, an investigation started with the state attorney general's office about that. And I think that uh, we, we have an organization that's operating in kind of a rogue fashion. So the, the, the reason for your issue of transparency on the, um, the, the migrant issue is that the, the fault lies with the organization hired by uh, New York City under a no-bid $432 million contract. Uh, I think that uh, that's, that's a different situation from the county executive uh, explaining uh, his position on, on what's, what's being alleged here. You know, while it may be DACO's problem here or fault for all of this happening, it's just Democrats locally are not on the same page right now. You know, you've got town supervisors going at each other, you know, saying things are not true that are happening that I don't ever remember an issue like this with local Democrats. Do you? Well, I go back to the communication problem with DACGO. Uh, if they're not telling the, the uh, town supervisor in Chicago or the one in Amherst or the county executive what they're planning on doing, then they are left in the dark. And so it's, I don't think it's a question of uh, the Democrats uh, being uh, disorganized on the thing. I think it's the problem is that the DACGO folks are are uh, not operating very properly. You, know, you have to know that this organization, uh, prior to all of the, this uh, developing, their, their biggest claim to fame was they do, were doing COVID tests in New York City. Uh, so they're obviously out of their element, and they're not communicating. And if you don't have information on the receiving end for as a supervisor or a county executive, then you're, you're left in the dark. And so uh, people are left to speculate or being left to uh, repeat things that may have been told to them by DACO, which may not be the same thing as things that are being told to somebody else. So I, I, I blame the whole thing on the... Uh, the outfit that New York City hired. You know, I'm wondering, too, from a state angle, couldn't, I mean, yesterday we heard Governor Hochul say she's asking Biden, President Biden, for more money. Couldn't she declare a state of emergency for the state, like other counties have in the state, to stop migrants from flooding into New York City? Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I, I do know that New York City has a law that says that anyone who's homeless who uh, requests a bed is uh, has, has to be provided with one. And so whether it's the governor or the mayor of New York or anyone else, they've got a, a situation down there. And New York being the mecca that it is for uh, immigrants from time immemorial, it's uh, understandable that, the, that many of them come there. The, uh, the story, though, with the migrants is that in many cases they are not told where they're going. They've been misled about employment opportunities. Uh, there was an incident in Rochester where some of them refused to get off the bus because they were lied to. And so it, it's a problem of communication, 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 and it's all the responsibility of DACO, and, and they're dropping the ball big time on this. Well, in the meantime, we still don't know if migrants from Cheektowaga on Dingen Street will be moving to Amherst or not. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Ken, thank you for joining me this morning. 
Thank you. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning. Produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.